0: Hey, I'm Brian Summers, and you're listening to episode 31 of We're Getting Better. Happy New Year. In this episode, we talk to photographer Andre Wagner about everything from moving from Nebraska to going to school in Iowa to shooting with Leica cameras, developing film, and The purest. We talk about a lot of stuff, so stay tuned. I'm here today with somebody that I've been following for a, a long time. Dope photographer who shoots with film. And without further ado, it's Andre Wagner.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming uh, coming, coming through. We're today we're at this uh, dope, cozy little spot uh, breather. Um, it's supposed to be at Adorama, but, you know, things happen. Shout out to Ian Davis for putting me onto this spot. So, you know, we're, what, what is this, uh, 560 Broadway? Actually, we're in a co-working space uh, called Field Collective. So, shout out to all of that. And shout out to the the sirens and the busy New York streets in the background that you might hear. People that uh, aren't familiar with you might be able to find you on, on Instagram at mm. Photo Dre. Correct. Right? So, what do, you, what do you prefer to be called? Andre, Dre?
1: People just kind of call me Dre. Yeah. Sometimes people call me Photo Dre. Okay. cool, but, um, yeah, people just call me Dre.
0: Tight, tight. Tight. So, right here, between these cozy-ass uh, seats, we got some Brooklyn loggers and, uh, Got my keys behind me I'm about to go ahead And crack open these things Man, it's customary Without further ado Let's get into it There
1: you go Thank you brother
0: uh-huh. Yeah, like I said Off air I think I need a better uh <laughs> a better Beer opener for this one But where there's a will There's a way
1: Cheers all right, how you been, man? I've been pretty good. Yeah, I've been busy. I've been been pretty good, man. It's like it's feeling good the way that the end of this year is coming. So
0: mm-hmm. can't complain. All right, where? Well. Yeah, this show will probably actually air. This will be the first show actually in twenty sixteen. Cool. But uh, you know, it's cool to talk in retrospect, whatever. But yeah, this, how how has the year been for you?
1: I mean, the year's been great, man. Um. I think this is my this is my first full year working as a freelance photographer, um, you know, and just, just been shooting a lot, just trying to make a lot of work, and uh, you know, working on the upcoming book mm. for 2016. So um, yeah, it's been a good year. All right. It's been a good year. I see you start dropping the
0: purest. Yeah. That's uh. So I guess we'll we'll talk talk about it later on when we get into more projects, but definitely want to know more about what the purist is and, mm-hmm. and all that because you know just thinking at first uh, when you first hear it the purist and thinking about photography think film
1: mm-hmm.
0: you think you don't edit but you know we'll talk right. about more of that and how you edit with film and, sure. and, and all of that but um, but yeah man Um, a lot of people also that I've interviewed and a lot of people that I follow or look up to on whether it's social media or just in life I you automatically think that photography is their nine to five. Right, right. You know, but uh (laughs) you know, the truth of the matter is some people have to have to have a job to fuel that or to to, to fund that rather. For sure. You know. But uh so I guess like we'll talk about what you did before photography Mm -hmm. as like a full time but uh just tell the I guess tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your your origin story in photography.
1: Um well I'm originally from uh born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska and uh I moved to Iowa for undergraduate um for un- undergrad in two thousand five. And uh, you know, I studied social work there and mainly, you know, was just trying to go to school to play basketball. Um like I was an athlete, so that was like a huge part of my life. And um yeah, so after after being in school in Iowa, um you no, know, I was actually like playing basketball pretty seriously and I wanted to you know, I had dreams of playing in the league. Like of a lot of, you know, athletes in any kind of well, any sport, you know, you just want to be the best. You want to take it as far as you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, after my fourth year of undergrad, I was trying out for the Iowa Energy. it's mm-hmm. um, so so uh, so like, like a D League team. Okay. Yeah. So I was on the tryout squad for that. Didn't make the team and then um I was I just remember I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do if I wanted to like try to play basketball like seriously and go after that um or if I wanted to actually finish school because after my fourth year of undergrad I wasn't eligible to graduate um because of just like my academics and whatnot so um the the D-League tryout was interesting because it was just like a whole different ball game like you're playing against cats that like you know, these dudes are like playing ball and they trying to like provide for their family. Or these yeah. guys has played, you know, division one or played professionally before. So, you know, and I played division three ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like being around that atmosphere is just like would definitely like wake you up and like make you <laughs> you gotta make some decisions, you yeah. know. And uh so yeah, I don't know, I just decided that uh I should get my degree and I went back to school and I kinda you know, just that was the end of basketball and uh, so Went back and did my fifth year, um, got my degree in social work, and uh, in that fifth year, that's when I actually, um, you know, started taking pictures, but it wasn't, you know, it was kind of just like really loose. Um, My girlfriend, she was working for the school newspaper, so she would like have you know, the camera around and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I just like picked up the camera, started taking like, you know, self portraits in the mirror and stuff yeah. like that. Just playing with the camera. <laughs> and uh what kinda what kind of camera was it? Uh I think it it was some kind of canon. It was a canon. I can't remember mm-hmm. what digital? it was. It was a digital camera. And uh yeah, I, I just, every time, like, she would come home, I'd just be like, yo, bring that camera from, from the <laughs> newspaper. I was like, bring that camera home, and I would just be taking pictures of just random stuff, like, literally random stuff. Like, it's Iowa, so, like, in the winters, I'm taking pictures picture of, like, snowstorms. Like, <laughs> you know, um, I was just taking pictures of people, you know, playing in the rec center and stuff like that, and... It just be kind of become you know more and more of a thing, and I would take pictures at my parties and my friends, and just doing portraits and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. still, it wasn't like really serious nothing like that. And uh, you know, in the midst of that, I finished and I got my degree in social work, and trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And uh, I started. I was like, you know, I, I had been in New York for a couple of summers working um, with outdoor education, so. That was, like, my introduction to, like, New York. So you said outdoor education? Yeah, so pretty much, like, working at a summer camp. I did that for, like, two summers. And the first summer, I was literally just, like, a camp counselor or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, then the second summer, um, it was cool because I was able to use, you know, more of my social work skills, and I I was, like, implementing programs and, like, running a boys camp and um, had, like, this mini-character program that I was doing. So Mm -hmm. I was doing more of that um, the second summer. And... I just fell in love with the city when I would going come to New York during the summer for these camps, and uh, so I was like, you know, I want to move to New York, and so I applied to graduate school. I was like, how, how am I going to get to New York? And right. I was like, go. I guess I go back to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I applied to graduate school, and I got into to Fordham University. Okay. And, uh, up in the Bronx. And, uh, I actually got into the one at the Lincoln Center. Okay. tight. So, yeah, I moved. I came and I, I moved to New York in 2011, and that's kind of like guess a little bit of a transition but I guess I, I should you know mention that um my sophomore year of undergrad I took a black and white film photography class mm. and uh although I was like horrible photographer at the time um it was just so much work that t- they went into the class like by the time I would have to turn my pictures in you know, my pictures would be, like, purple because, like, I didn't fix them long enough so I was just trying to get out of the dark and stuff like that. Yeah. But it obviously, you know, did something to me um, to make me kind of go back to just photography and and um, you know all of that, but at the time, like I just I was really not into it. I, I signed up for the class because I thought it was going to be an easy credit. you yeah. know, I'm a basketball player. I'm just like I want to take all the easy classes no, <laughs> so I, I can play basketball and go to the gym. <laughs> no,
0: it, it, sound, it sounds like uh, when I was in high school. So I mean, like I I was an athlete too, but I mean I was I ran I ran track, but I I was in all these photography classes or two rather. But when I was in there, I was interested in the photography, and I, I was the one that was actually. In the dark room, mm. knowing, knowing what I was doing, actually enjoying the class, right, but the right. seniors that were just there for easy credit, right. you know, they're probably gonna go to the league for football or something, right, and, and right. they're like, man, I just, I just need this credit, yeah, you know. Man. So
1: it's they, crazy because I remember I signed up and I'm just like, oh, this is gonna be easy. I'm taking a photography class, and then like that first week he give us this list of like all this stuff we gotta buy. I'm like, wait, like, I gotta buy a camera, <laughs> I gotta buy paper. I'm just like, yo, I already, I'm already paying, like I'm
0: here, like did it's you, cool. Did you did you have to like contribute to like the fixer and all that stuff? Exactly, that, you all had to the, the, the
1: chemicals and stuff like that and uh, yeah man, I was definitely not what I was expecting. Mm. Definitely not what I was expecting. I think the class we started off doing like pinhole photography, you know, mm-hmm. just making cameras out of like oatmeal boxes and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, but yeah, I remember once I finished a class, I think I I think I got like a C or a D in the class. And I remember the professor kept like sending me emails to come pick up my portfolio. And I was like, I don't want that portfolio. I don't want that portfolio. Like, you know, six years later, once I'm like in New York for like two years and I like, photography started to become a thing. You know, he hits me up on Facebook and was like, hey, I still have that portfolio. And he's like, I see you in for photography now. And yeah. It's Yeah, so it was just like, it's crazy how that all kind of came full circle. Mm-hmm. I bought my first, like, film camera from him, which mm-hmm. is like a Hasselblad. Oh, tight. Yeah, it was crazy, man. It was like, I don't know. just He gave you a teacher-student discount?
0: Yeah, See, come on, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always awesome to have those plugs, those people that see something in you. I can definitely see that that was a gateway. And that teacher probably saw, like, yo, Dre, he's tight or he has potential if he just apply himself. Right. You know,
1: right. So, you know sometimes right.
0: that's, all, that's all you need is that. that I that,
1: think especially with athletes too, that aren't so dedicated or interested sometimes like in the academic part, you know, cause you're just so, I don't know if I know for me personally, I was just so invested into, you know, basketball mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, not that I, you know I wasn't the greatest student, but I wasn't dumb. But I just never, like you said, like I never really wanted to apply myself. <laughs> I just yeah. wanted to, like you know, kind of get by and get back to the court. You know?
0: But you applied yourself to basketball, yeah. and that shows that you can apply yourself to something. Yeah, exactly, and you have a work ethic. But you know, so once you substitute that for something else, you're not you're not in the league. But uh, you're you know you're you're doing it. Right. With photography. Right. So you Well, that's the it.
1: thing because like even with basketball, uh, I realize there's so many parallels you know like it it, you know with basketball it also made me realize that i was married to a process and i think that's how it kind of took over my life because like if you're an athlete it's like you eat breathe sleep whatever that sport is you you eat a certain way you travel you work out a certain way um like your whole schedule's like around it you practice and then you're like performing you Mm -hmm. know and it's like the same thing kind of with photography where it's like you're shooting all the time you know then there's a whole post process and then you're like trying to put together projects or series and then maybe have a show where you put together you know what I'm saying so it kind of has that that process piece in it or at least that's how, how I look at it and I think you oh, know, makes it sense. makes so much sense for me I was just like wow like, I never really thought about it like that yeah. but it's just it's just flipped into a different form
0: you know uh, a couple episodes ago you know I interviewed uh, Daniel Vasquez and he's a baller too and he told me similar story like it, Basketball practice for him made him uh, more punctual. Mm-hmm. Or it gave him a discipline or a regimen to apply to this thing that he's now married to, which is photography. Right. That's the same with uh, James Anthony. You know, I ran track of him in high school. You know, so we have this, this ethic now. And, and like, you, you just kind of really put it in perspective. It's a, it's a, it's a process that you're married to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So
1: yeah, sorry. I know I kind of skipped around. And... <laughs> no, no, no,
0: no. you're good, man. So look, Nebraska when to school to Iowa. Like I said earlier off air, there's definitely a connection to two other guests on the show, Dial and Anthony Blue. Mm-hmm. So my question, really is. Well, I know Dios from Maryland, right. but and and Blue's Blue's from uh, from Texas. But like, what's this? What what's this? You know. Common denominator with people going going to or being from Nebraska or the Midwest and then coming to New York.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, Omaha's an interesting place. Um, like I remember, I think I got introduced to Dio just through like some mutual friends and stuff like that. And I would always see like his work online and stuff like that. And uh, the same thing with Blue. Like I actually didn't meet Blue until I moved, met him in New York. Mm. My roommates from Omaha. Okay. Um, and uh, him and Blue went to the, they both went to Lincoln or whatever. But um, I don't know, I think it's just like, I mean, Midwest cities are great, Um, but I think sometimes, you know, people just want to maybe try to get into something that's a little bit more different, you know, where it's just, I don't know, you know, I have like a really just interesting perspective or an upbringing just by growing up in Omaha, you know, just maybe just person, personal to myself just with, um, you know, growing up in, you know, just kind of regular middle to lower class families. And you just, it's, you know, it's a city, but it's a small city. You know, it's not all that diverse. Um, there's not, like, people don't do a ton of different things. Like, like people would, like, in bigger cities. There's not, like, a lot of different types of jobs. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of different types of cultures and languages. So it's, like, all these other things that, you know, especially can influence, like, the arts and, and making work, like, mm-hmm. in bigger cities that, you might not necessarily have in smaller cities. And um, I think, you know, coming to New York has just influenced me so much because I haven't, I wasn't around all the things that I'm around here in New York. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, I'm like super hypersensitive to like, you know, the city, to Brooklyn and Manhattan because it's like, you know, I kind of grew up a certain way and everything was kind of like, there was like these routines and you knew everybody and people did this job and everybody goes to this church and everybody speaks this language and we eat this food and we talk this type of way. But then you just like, you get opened up to a whole new world, you know? And it's just like, you just want to, you want to take it in as much as you can. It's just influence you like personally, your personal growth, um, you know, personal relationships. And then obviously, you know, the most important part is the work you yeah. know? and, uh, I don't know I think that's probably the common thread between all of us you know just being from you know um, being in Omaha and just wanting to kind of just immerse ourselves in different experiences
0: mm-hmm. but what got you to New York was that uh, that program
1: yeah the social work <laughs> yeah the social program at, program. at uh, Fordham. Yeah. Right, um, right. So, yeah. So, I mean, even then, when I moved here, I still wasn't like, oh, I want to be a photographer. I want to take pictures. And like, it was still very much experimental. It was like, you know, I haven't really, I didn't really study any work. I didn't really know of any photographers. Um, I didn't really know about serious work. And that's one of the things that New York did to me because I moved here and I was, you know, going to school at Fordham. And uh, I was actually living in Midtown, man. I was living on 57th Street, like, right across from Central Park yeah. because it was student housing. And uh, just, like, jumping into that part of the city in particular and, like, not being from any place. just like New York. um mm-hmm. You just get influenced by you meeting people. Um, you learn learning just about different types of jobs that people do. Like, I was meeting people, and I'm like, wait, you do what for it? Like, that's what you're nine-to-five is, like, you, you go and, like, shoot these films or, yeah. you know, just, like, all kind of random stuff that I never even, like, was... I never heard of those type of things growing up, you So know? Was,
0: was it a bit of a sensory overload or just things that just really wowd you and made you fall in love with the
1: city? It was a sensory overload, and it just, like, it made me, like, want to know more, and it just made... My that whole idea of photography, I'm like, man, this could actually be a, a a bigger thing. Cause I was I was meeting photographers. Like I never met a photographer until I moved to New York. You mm-hmm. know, so I was just like, wow, like people actually make a living as being a photographer, or you know, they take it serious. And then like, I started you know just doing research and just started studying just different photographers and just trying to like understand like the tradition and foundation. So it was just, like, all of that, really, you know, mm. the city just influenced all that for me. Because, um, I like even in college, like, I didn't even, like, learn about this kind of stuff, you mm. know. Um, it's just, like, the experiences have just such an effect on you, you know.
0: You know what I just, just thought about? It's like I've always wanted to learn another language and be fluent. I understand pieces of Spanish, pieces of other languages, but until you fully immerse yourself in that culture, like, if I go to Spain, I'm going to know Spanish, right, you right. know. But, like, now that you're in New York, a city full of creatives, and everybody's here, like, photography's their thing, or filmmaker's their thing, or whatever it is that brought them to New York, like, you're fully immersed in this setting. Right. And now you're fluent. Right.
1: You know? Right. That's tight. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah. New York is a special place, for sure.
0: I want to know, too, like, how, how how often, how often, how, how long, uh, did you feel like a tourist?
1: Right, man. Pri- especially for that first full year, for sure. Because <laughs> I mean, I was living in Midtown, which is like yeah. I was like I was, when I was living there. I was like, I know I'm probably never gonna live here again in my entire life. Yeah. So, no, and it was crazy sucks. though, because I was like, you know, I was real. I had nothing in that apartment. Like I had an air mattress. I had a table that I had got off street. You know, it's in New York, so it's all yeah, it was- kind of furniture on the street. Mm-hmm. So I got like a little coffee table off the street and I was sitting on the floor. Like, my friends can tell you, like, I literally had nothing in that apartment. And then I think I ended up getting, like, a like a card table and some chairs one day. So yeah. I, like, upgraded. Because, up. <laughs> like, I literally moved to the city with, like, $70, and, like, I had like, no money.
0: Those are the, and, uh, those, those are the best stories. Like, yeah, start off with like, a dollar and a dream.
1: Yeah, and it was just, like, it was cool. It was like, okay, I got a roof over my head, just dollar slice around the corner. I was like, I got to make this happen until, I, you know, I try to figure some stuff out, mm-hmm. and, uh. You know, it's just like, I want to take, I want to trade that for the world, man. It's had such an impact on me. Um, and then, you know, I think, I felt like a tourist probably all the way up until I really, until I moved to Brooklyn, mm-hmm. to, to Bushwick where I live now. Just, you know, maybe because it feels, you know, it's a community. It feels, It's not so, like, high energy, like, you know, Midtown. It's it's a, it's a community. It's It feels, like, familiar to me. It's, just, like, people that I can, like, recognize and talk to and um and get to know you know Mm -hmm. and it's so i think once i kind of settled there it just felt right and i and i didn't really feel so much like a tourist anymore but i was still had so much growth that was happening Mm -hmm. you know because um so like yeah after after the first year of under or of graduate school remember that summer i was like i was trying to find a job and i ended up getting a job working at an e-commerce studio Mm -hmm. as a photographer okay And that was like the big shift for me right there because then I had this job and I moved to Brooklyn and I worked throughout the summer. Working as a photographer, I'm learning so much, you know. I'm still not really into, like, my street photography that I do now. I'm, I'm, like, dabbling in it, but I'm doing, you know, I'm working at this job, so I'm doing studio photography. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm learning lighting, like, products, fashion, um, you know, on-location type stuff, lifestyle type of photos. Um, Just anything that we were selling, I was taking pictures of it, so... Um, it was great because I got to be an experience in a, an environment, you know, where I'm working with stylists and creative directors and like just all this different kind of stuff. And I'm just, I'm just trying to absorb everything, yeah, you, you know, because I'm in this position. I'm like the head photographer, and I'm like, this is my first time being a, a photography <laughs> job. Okay. I'm like every day, I'm like going home to YouTube trying to figure, like, okay, I gotta shoot this tomorrow, so yeah. how do I need to light that? Right, right. And uh, it was crazy, man. Like I would even hire like assistants and like. I knew I would have to, like, shoot, like, these portraits and I'm like, I wanted to look like that so I would, like, hire a lighting person so I would be like, hey, I want to set the light so it looks like this and I'm just looking so I can learn how, like, how they do it because I don't know how to do it myself. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, like, being in all that, you know, I'm such, like, a hands-on and visual learner. I'm a quick learner, I think, from playing sports it's like you see it and you do it so it's just Mm -hmm. like being able to be around that environment see people in action it's like I was able to just kind of pick it up and Mm -hmm. next thing you know I can make that light and you know look like that or I can get this soft or I can make the background white and I was able to learn like all these little tricks and stuff like that yeah so yeah so I got did I got that job and then once it was time for me to go back to school for the second semester I was just like actually I'm good on social work and Mm -hmm. school And I just want to keep exploring photography because now I was like, okay, I got a foundation, you know, I'm working, I'm making money and it's photography and I got all this other free time. And that's when I started doing like the street photography stuff. So I was just like, you know what, like there's something happening here and I just kind of want to explore that. And I was just like, man, I'm like, I'm in New York. I'm feeling a certain way. Like, let me just go with it. And so I didn't go back to school. Right. And my parents was like, what do you mean you're not going back to yeah, school? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, that was really, like, the big shift, like, for me.
0: Okay. <laughs> Fine, man. Well, look, let's go ahead and take a quick break. when we come back, we're going to talk more about um the shift. Okay. Okay, so normally I record this podcast at home or live at Adorama. Now when I can't go to either place and I need to find some convenient spot to meet a guest or just get away, take a breather, I do just that. Now this episode was recorded at a breather location and I liked it so much that I'd like to share a free hour with you guys. So you can get your first free hour when you take your first breather by using the promo code DFL8N6. That's DFL 8N6. Get your first free hour when you take your first breather. Right now, breather currently has locations in Boston, Montreal, Ottawa, San Francisco, and of course, New York City. So host that meeting, get some work done, meet a client, be productive, but most of all, take a breather. This week's vocabulary word is rangefinder camera. A rangefinder camera gets its name from the rangefinder focusing system built in or on much older cameras attached to the hot shoe as an accessory. The system is typically a split image rangefinder, a rangefinding focusing mechanism allowing the photographer to measure the subject's distance and take sharp photographs. Most varieties of rangefinder cameras show two images of the same subject, one of which moves when a calibrated wheel, usually on the lens, is turned. When the two images coincide and become one, your image is in focus. The distance can be read off the wheel or lens in feet as well as meters. Older non-coupled rangefinder cameras display the focus and distance and require the photographer to transfer the value to the lens focusing ring. Cameras without built-in rangefinders could have an external rangefinder fitted into the accessory shoe. Earlier cameras in this type had separate viewfinder and rangefinder windows. Later, the rangefinder was incorporated into the viewfinder. Got it? Great, back to the show All right, so we're back And, uh, you know, talked about how you got to this point But, you know, we're sitting in this cozy-ass room Talking about Fuji cameras I got my man Raheem over here, our studio audience But uh, (laughs) you also shoot with Leica Yeah
1: Which,
0: which, you know, it's film Well, Leica has digital too, but I know you shoot film Mm -hmm. So, um, I know you started on that But how did you eventually get to shoot on film again right. and and shoot and shoot Malaika.
1: Right. Well I, I started so when I started really doing street photography or is, I think it was like like late two thousand and twelve and uh I had I think I had like a Nikon like F two. Mm-hmm had, like, a new mat. Just, like, some Nikon, like, like, SLR cameras. And I think I had, like, three or four of those cameras. And uh, I'm, like, I broke all of them. <laughs> just, like, them? randomly. Like, one time, like, I, I think I, like, I was actually, like, shooting in the rain. I think I slipped and fell. And, like, the bottom of the door, like, got, like, jammed because it hit the cement. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, damn. one time, I don't know, one just got jammed up or whatever. But then I was just, like, I, I was getting more serious about shooting 35mm. And I was just like, man, you know, I've already went through like three Nikon's. I was like, I think it's probably just time to upgrade, you know, to something different anyway. And obviously, I had been like I and Leica for a while, and you know, I, I never, I didn't really understand the hype about the Leica until like I got one, mm-hmm. and I was just like. I was just like, it was love at like first sight, man. It's just like can't go back, dude. It's just such a beautiful camera. It's like first of all, you got you know, it's a rangefinder, mm-hmm. you know. So the focus, it's like my focus is just so it's so much easier to focus when you see these little, two little pictures lined up instead of like the whole image. Mm-hmm. So like that was like a big thing for me because the and then also just having like being able to focus by like the numbers and stuff yeah. on the lens. Yep. And then also the just having the curtain inside the, the shutter is okay. like the biggest thing. Like not having a mirror alone Mm -hmm. is just like a reason to have a Leica because for now I can shoot at at, um, slower speeds because I don't Mm -hmm. have a mirror bouncing and I can still get sharp images and then it's quiet too and it's quiet you know so people don't really it's, it's you know people don't hear it that much and uh it's just it's so good in the hand like you could move with it and just mm-hmm. shoot it just felt so it just felt right so is like it really like the like the rolex of of cameras uh for yeah for me man mm. i would say so for mm. sure yeah it's tight huh? so uh
0: have, i know you shoot film but do you do you ever shoot like like a digital cameras
1: i've never shot one i mean I may be like in a store or something like that but mm. I haven't really shot like a like a digital camera. All right, all right. Yeah. And I've uh, but but I've seen like I've seen stuff from like the monochrome. It, it looks pretty decent mm-hmm. but y'all never shot shot with it before. Right. So do you always shoot bl- black and white? Yeah, pretty much. Like there'll be random times I like shoot some color. But then I'll get like Halfway through the world And I'm like Why am I shooting this no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like I'll just like Take some shots So I can put a roll Of black and white in I don't know I just really Really love Black and white film I just think It's just beautiful The way it renders The world Um It just has such a Different Descriptive quality Um Uh I don't know It's just so poetic Like sometimes You know Ali like people ask me About black and white All the time Or And uh I don't know. That's just like, I, I don't, I shoot black and white all the time. So it's kind of like what I see, like I see tones and shadows and definition mm-hmm. in real life. That's like how, how I render things. But it's also like, it's, if, if somebody, if, if a great writer is about to write a sentence, you know, they don't take the easy way out sometimes and just be like, oh, and she had red hair and a pink dress, you know, they're going to try to say something that's more seductive than that, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and I think with black and white, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, I don't, it's not so much about just like the color, you know, it's more about like what's actually, it's so much easier to look at what's happening in the picture, like the form, the content, you know, how, like the makeup of the image and just kind of how it works and stuff. That's just how I personally work. And, you know, I I just like working like that, and uh, you know I kind of like just streamlining the way I work too. So I just pretty much shoot black and white all the time. Yeah, I shoot tri-x all the time. You know, I I usually push it so I can get some, yeah, Yeah, push it so I can get some extra speed. But yeah, I just really like the quality of black and white, man. It's just and so you, beautiful.
0: For for those of don't know, you, you said you push it, so I, that means pretty much you have four hundred speed film. You push it to eight
1: hundred. Oh yeah, I push right. it to eight hundred or sixteen hundred. Right, right, Yeah, right. So then, this is this is good that way because you know, especially shooting in New York, where you got so many tall buildings and stuff like that, so you can. One day, you know, in five minutes you can be on this bright side of the street, and then you turn the corner, and then it's, like, super dark. You mm-hmm. know, I want to be able to still shoot fast enough without, you know, in freeze motion. Yeah. So that's why pushing the film helps, you know, so I can still shoot at least, like, a 250th of a second, mm-hmm. you know, and still be at, like, F8 or something like that I if I'm on the shady side of the street. But then if I go to the sunny side of the street, I can still be at, like, a thousand, like, F11, F16 or whatever. So. Yeah. You know, I just, I like working like that, so, yeah.
0: I was talking, uh, <clears throat> I was talking off camera to Raheem earlier before you he got here, and we got a tight view. right? We're at the top floor of, the, of this building, and there's a lot of, you know, New York skyscrapers in the distance and lots of tall buildings, but... When I'm shooting outdoors, I, I like to use these buildings as modifiers. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in an alley, <laughs> if I'm in an alley, you know, like, these buildings on the side of me might be, like, uh, V-flats. Right, right, you know? for sure. You know, it's, but it takes, I guess, take action to study, like, the shot and understand how the light is moving mm-hmm. to, like, realize that these buildings are acting as modifiers. Right, or right. If, it's, if it's an overcast day that those clouds are, is <laughs> diffusion mm-hmm. and whatnot.
1: Yeah, man. It's just true photographers. I to like, really notice stuff like that because it's just a cell. Like, even in Midtown sometimes, like, where some of the buildings, like, around, like, noon and one, where the sun hits, it's like... You know, you, it's hard to even like, you can't really get backlit shots because of the way the sun hits off the building, then it's like, it's illuminating people's faces right. and like off the ground and stuff like that. And it's like, that's the type of stuff most people just walk by, I don't even like recognize with exactly. photographers. Like, especially in a city like this where you got all this light bouncing around different ways, like it is just modifiers, you know, and you yeah. find spots that you like and yeah. certain times of the day, you're just like, oh, I know it's gonna be like this, so I wanna go there. Definitely.
0: Like Let's talk more about film. Like, so I shoot digital. But I, I was shooting film heavy for, like, the first year when I, when I, when I came back to New York, or when right. I came to New York for the first time, I got back onto film. Right. Right? So a lot of people, they'll, if they shoot film, they'll take that film to a spot and get it developed. For sure. But you develop your own film. Mm-hmm. And you uh, develop your own uh, prints as well. Yeah. And which means you're in that the real dark room, not light room. You're in dark, <laughs> the dark room. You're, you know, dodging and burning and manipulating your photos there. So mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of people, they, they feel like, oh i shoot and that's it you know which you can do that you know but i guess it's not explaining the whole process but like what's that like like what 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 is it like to actually be a scientist in the dark room Mm -hmm. developing your film manipulating your photos with like (laughs) dodging and burning techniques
1: yeah i mean i I brought the i used to you know drop my film off at labs and stuff like that and uh (laughs) I mean, first of all, it, it gets expensive, you yeah, know, yeah. I shoot a lot, so just bringing everything in-house helped me, you know, decrease the cost of just the whole process. Mm-hmm. And then, the, you know, I, I I started to just kind of fall in love with it because then I was like, okay, now I can control, you know, how I develop my film, which is going to determine how my film looks. You know, a lot of people are kind of just, you're just up to the lab to, you know, just accept whatever they give you. And, you know, a lot of, you know, to be honest, a lot of labs today aren't that great, you right. know. And uh, so because it's, it's not like everybody's like shooting film and like trying to like, you know really know what they want to get and there's just so many people are doing it because it's like the trendy thing to do and stuff like that so you know just being able to bring it back in house I was able to realize like the beautiful qualities of film and just like how I can like push these tones or how you know the agitation it can change how the grain is and stuff like that you know but more so just be able to streamline it be like okay like I know I like shooting at these two speeds I know I like developing it this way so then you know it makes it easier when i'm out shooting because now i'm not like guessing light i just know it because this is how i do it every single day you mm-hmm. know so then it's less about actual process and thinking about light and stuff like that and it's more about just living in the moments and like trying to like capture images um so that's like what a lot of it's done to me for me and then also just kind of being on both sides just helps you understand you know just how the pictures work and stuff, because sometimes, like, you know, when I'm editing pictures, like, if I'm looking at contact sheets or something like that, um, like, you know, like, making darkroom prints is a lot of work and effort, and, um, you know, if I put a negative under enlarger, like, sometimes that's an like easy way to edit, because I'm just like, do I really want to print this picture? Like, yeah. is it worth it? And I'm just yeah. like, nah, this picture's not that good. Okay. And it's, like, on. that simply has, like, that alone has made me so much of a better editor of my own pictures mm-hmm. because it's just like, all right, because do I really want to spend the time to make yeah. this a, a picture? Because, like, yeah. that's also... I, I want my pictures to live as, like, physical objects, you know? Yeah, on, and something, something a tangible. And computer, and, you know, so it's just, like... I just really like being part of the whole process, and it's just... It's cheaper that way, you know? Sometimes, you know... I mean, if I had the money, maybe I would outsource it, at least maybe to print it to mm-hmm. somebody that I, I could trust or at least still be part of it, because mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes... Because, it, it's you know, as a photographer, it's like the Catch-22. It's like yeah, it's great to be in the room and, like, have this whole different side of the process, and it's great to be able to, like, learn and make better prints and learn just different techniques. But then it's like, I'm not outside shooting. You know what I'm saying? So, and as a, you know, as a photographer, as a street photographer, it's all about being outside as much as you can because it's like, it's a lot of it's luck, being in the right place at the right time, and a lot of it is just, like, doing it over. I don't think you really can, like, just spit out great images if you just go out and shoot whenever you feel like it. I think it's the type of thing like a sport. It's like you got to go and practice when you don't feel like it. you got to be walking down that street yeah. when it's raining. You got to be going down different avenues and stuff like that, you know, and you just got to be out there and just listening to yourself, listening to your gut and just go Let me just go down this street. Let me try something else. And so sometimes being on the other end of that process takes me away from that. But I think sometimes it's good because, like, I don't know, the break, I guess, could be good sometimes, but I don't know. So it's it's tough, man. It's a it's a tug, and, tug of war. I mean, probably during the wintertime I do most of my printing and stuff because it's, you know, but, I mean, this year <laughs> it's, like, not winter. It's, yeah, it's like, like, 60 degrees outside. Good outside right now. In the, middle, <laughs> so, in the middle of December. Yeah, but, um, yeah, man, you know, I really just like being part of the, of the whole process. It's, it's it's good to do. Yeah.
0: Now, when I was, uh, like I said, when I first moved up here, I was shooting film heavy, and, you know, you get 36 exposures in a row. Um, But when I got back into shooting digital, shooting 36 put me in a in a mind state that I only have 36. No matter if I have a 16-gigabyte right. card or 32 or however large my card is, mm-hmm. I'm not going to spray and pray. I'm not going to take all these wild shots um, because I'm trained to, to – refine my image Mm -hmm. like or i'm like my my thought process is different and and, so adding that dark room effect into or that dark room you know into it it also makes you like i guess refine your process and um actually you know pick and choose what it is that you actually want to get
1: yeah yeah it is i think also too because I, i i wasn't always like like my process now is like i shoot develop I make contact sheets, I select, and then I'll print from the contacts. But I used to just, you know, shoot, develop, and then scan, and then, like, just make prints whenever I get to it. But I just made my—I started making contact sheets, and it's just like, I think especially just with the process of how I'm doing it, just like having like the physical object for me, it's just like when I look at a contact, a, a piece of paper with thirty six images. Like that image, that image that works, it just like pops off the page. Like you just know it, you know what yeah. I'm saying. It's just like it's it's different, man. I don't know. It's like not to say that it's better but for me it just it just works differently i'm like oh okay i like this one i like this and then sometimes it's like a maybe and i'll still circle it and then like and then i can decide when i get in the dark room and then yeah. i really know you know so mm-hmm. i just like that whole yeah the whole thing and then i think the other thing too with shooting film is just you have to be more sure of yourself you know mm-hmm. it's it's like i don't you go out there and just like obviously you shoot shooting on the street you want all your images to come out you want to make sure you got that image mm-hmm. and uh you know obviously street images you can't can't recreate it you can't tell people to hold that pose like like I'm trying to go to work what you mean hold that pose so yeah, it's just like I don't know I just like that being able to just kind of like immerse myself into just like life like walking just Mm -hmm. into my own feelings and stuff like that it's kind of the same thing today when people meet up with a bunch of friends and you got that one cat that's like on his cell phone like looking at Instagram or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, dude, get off the phone and just enjoy yeah, the conversation. Exactly. Enjoy, like, so enjoy on the life. Street, I can just do that, you know, the same way through like through the camera, you know, just yeah. enjoy like where I'm, what I'm doing.
0: That's tight, dog. yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about current projects and future projects, you know, yeah. going into 2016. For sure. Right. This week in Tech Briefs, the rumored Fuji X Pro 2 has leaked online with detailed specs. The camera holds a 24.3 megapixel X-Trans CMOS 3 sensor, a faster autofocus, low noise, and is set to have excellent color reproduction. It will incorporate an advanced hybrid viewfinder with magnification automatic switching function. The lightweight magnesium alloy body is also dust and waterproof. It holds two SD cards, has an ISO range of 200 to 12,800, and has 16 film simulation modes. Check the show notes for more specs on the room and camera. This week's recommended book is Light Science and Magic An Introduction to Photographic Lighting, the 5th edition, by Phil Hunter, Stephen Biver, and Paul Fuqua. This book is dope because it breaks down lighting techniques, equipment, and nuances to help your shots get the shine they need. See what I did there? Once again, that's Light Science and Magic An Introduction to Photographic Lighting. Alright we're back Brooklyn Logger's almost done But uh I want to talk more about current projects And what's going to happen in 2016 Or what's you what you plan to happen In 2016 so far And I know talking about film And shooting with film Somebody might consider you a purist Right Segue into the project <laughs> The Purist Yeah yeah All right? So what you're on like volume 2 right now <laughs>
1: Yeah The Purist is volume 2 The Purist wasn't it wasn't, even, when I came up, when I thought about that being like the title of like this publications, it's like self-publications that I do, it wasn't really about like the camera and the film and stuff like that. I just kind of like the, I thought it kind of described just how I work in general, you know, not necessarily just about the medium, but how I work and deal with like the world and the medium of photography. So just like shooting out you know in life raw pure just you know not posing and uh just making you know straight images so that's kind of how the purist name came about and the whole idea is to be like these self-published um that i do that you know that just kind of maybe it's like a theme um and I just wanted to kind of like put something together and put pe- put work out there so people could have you know mm-hmm. it's in a tangible form. So like the first one was like a small book and it was of images of my first trip to Europe, okay. and then like the second one was the first volume two it was called the Parades and it was like. Three or four different prints I have photographed in New York. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I mean that's all. It's it's just like you know just these little projects that I can just kind of put out my work and hopefully you know people want to you know enjoy them.
0: Now what now? Volume two I know is printed on newsprint. It's like yeah, newspaper.
1: it's on the newsprint. It's kind of right. like this oversized newsprint. Right. Uh, so right. it's a different format than the the first one, which was a book. Right. Um, you know, which was like I I was it wasn't planned like that. I just kind of happened to like work on this newsprint project, and I was like, oh, this is such a cool medium. So I did that with Volume 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I'm not even... I don't even know what, what Volume 3 will be or if there's a Volume 3 or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, what I'm working on right now um, for 2016 is, uh, like, my first monograph book. Like, it's, like, a body of work. Yeah. And uh, the book is called Here for the Ride. Okay. And it's uh, it's a series of, like, subway images that I've made over the past three years, and it cool. started that commute that I was going um, working at the job at, yep. the, at the e-commerce job so it started on that commute back and forth to work you know the winter time is dark outside I couldn't shoot so I was like I started making images on the subway next thing I know it's like I got this three year long series of yeah. pictures going so um, so yeah, that's set to release, you know, in, uh, 2016, maybe it's looking at like around April right now. Okay. So um, yes, yeah, it's, it's looking pretty good. I'm excited about it. No, that sounds exciting. Thank you.
0: And where can people find like the, the purest uh, on, on your website?
1: Yeah. I usually just post them on, on my website, abstract elements.com. People can just like PayPal. You can just go on and, and. And buy it and then I send them out usually the same week and stuff like that. So
0: is it is it on demand or are you almost sold out of anything?
1: Um the Pierce is kinda like <laughs> whenever I feel like dealing with shipping and yeah. like all it going to the post office, so sometimes I just yeah. take it down. Sometimes it's I mean the Pierce Volume One is sold out. I still have issues with volume two. Okay. Um so yeah. Word. definitely gotta check that out. Cop that if you haven't. Um and where do people find your work? Yeah, so um, like I, my website is abstractelevents.com um, my Instagram is photo dre, um, and you know on those two sites you can also find um, my Skillshare class that I have up right mm-hmm. now, um, and, and yeah, that's about it. Tight,
0: tight. So yeah, like we can talk all day about film and digital and publications, mm-hmm. but uh, it's a nice day outside. You mentioned it's a nice warm December day. <laughs> Shoot, if you ain't doing it after this, let's go ahead and shoot. Yeah, let's do
1: it. Man. Cool, man. All right. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to another episode of We're Getting Better. As always, drop comments in the section below. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Brian Summers, B R Y O N S U M M E R S, and BrianSummers.com. Let's get better.